Ever since I was little, I've been able to focus intently for hours on end. Whether it was drawing or Legos or writing music, I've never had a problem with focus, at least with the things that I wanted to do. Like anything in this world though, our blessings are double-edged blades that come with inherent challenges. I believe this is by design because I believe everything in this life is ultimately there to teach us spiritual lessons and bring us closer to God. Because I could focus so easily, this allowed me to learn quickly and also to become very detail-oriented. These two character traits led me to pursue many things that were inherently challenging because I found difficulty and complexity rewarding. I learned to play the piano, I learned to ballroom dance, I became an entrepreneur, and I've hosted my own show for many years. I've written several books, organized live events, studied nutrition and the body, as well as theology, Bible prophecy, and Christian apologetics. All of these pursuits have been incredibly challenging, yet also incredibly rewarding. Nevertheless, my journey as a perfectionist has been a long and slow road of striving for the highs of achieving my grandiose expectations, while also learning to manage and accept the more common lows of repeated failure. That journey still has a way to go, but probably the most profound impact on its direction has been accepting and trusting in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is unique in human history as a worldview because of one foundational reason, and that reason is how it deals with the great work required for the great outcome that it proclaims. Every spiritual path in history has some great outcome that they promise, whether it's a glorious afterlife or a blissful new state of consciousness or even a higher dimension of existence. Christianity in this sense is not that distinct because Christianity promises an eternal life in a blissful, perfect, and renewed creation where one can coexist with the Creator. So then, what makes Christianity so different? It is the Gospel, which tells us how this great work is accomplished. In every other worldview, that great work is done by the individual. Yet, according to the Gospel, the great work is done by the perfect Creator. This is a profound idea and unique in human history, and it is what has led me to experiencing healing in my drawn-out journey with perfectionism. There is a major problem if the great work of saving, whatever it may be, is dependent upon mankind. Whether the goal is eternal life or bliss or a higher state of consciousness is actually meaningless relative to the real question at hand. Who is doing the work to get you there? The Bible tells us that the heart is desperately wicked, that's Jeremiah 17, 9, that we cannot lean on our own understanding, it's Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, that the God of this age, which is Satan, has blinded the minds of everybody, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, that even our good deeds are like filthy rags when they're not grounded in a relationship with God, that's Isaiah 64, verse 6, and that nobody seeks after God or godly things naturally. That's in Romans 3, verse 10, and 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. What all of this boils down to is that mankind is incapable of relying on himself to arrive at such a great outcome. And therefore, it doesn't matter what the outcome is because nobody will ever reach it on their own. To the perfectionist, this is definitely bad news. It's crushing news, in fact, because what it means is that the best possible outcome in life is fundamentally out of your control. 
You can't achieve it on your own, and this is by design. Unfortunately today, most of the world believes that mankind is inherently good and capable to do this great work, and all the answers exist within oneself. The Bible actually warns of this deception in the very beginning when Satan tempted Eve with the idea that she could be her own sovereign, her own God, determining what is good and what is evil for her life. But life is fundamentally out of our control. We can't even control our own heartbeat, let alone who or what comes into our life and when. This fundamental level of uncertainty, when faced with honesty, should break down the walls of our pride and allow the truth to come in, that we are nothing on our own. We die, we change, we lose things and people that we hold dear and we cannot achieve what we most want and need, which is salvation from this cursed and painful world. At this point, the Bible swoops in at the perfect time with the best news possible, the gospel. In fact, that is why the gospel is called the good news. You can't have good news without bad news, and the gospel is the answer to the bad news of reality that we die and there's nothing that we can do about it. Confronting this ugly truth of reality is designed to lead you to despair. And that despair is designed to lead you to the Savior. The Gospel tells us that God, as Jesus Christ, performed a work that no human being could ever perform. To be completely righteous and without sin, and also to take upon himself the punishment that the world deserved for its disobedience to God. Nobody in history is free from the inherent wickedness of the human heart, except Jesus. Nobody in history suffered as much physical, emotional, and spiritual pain as Christ, let alone a pain that he did not deserve and a pain that he could have put an end to at any point in time with just a snap of a finger. This alone will be enough to meditate on for the rest of eternity. But if we believe Christ's words that his perfect work paid our debt, we are given a new heart with new desires that leads to a new life. This new journey is a journey of being conformed to his perfect character because God works all things for the good for those who love and trust in him. That's in Romans 8, verse 28 through 29. And because Jesus paid the price that we owed to God, we are saved from the final judgment where God will hold the entire earth accountable for history and destroy the wicked in fiery wrath. Since the Holy Spirit we receive by trusting in Christ's perfect work is a guarantee of our inheritance with Jesus, that's in Ephesians 1 verse 14, we're not only assured that everything will go exactly as it should in this life, but even more profoundly, we are assured that we will live forever to experience the riches of God's glory in eternity. As a perfectionist, the gospel is indeed good news. It is actually the best news possible. Why? because perfection is not found in your work, but rather in how God chooses to use your work for the good, and that means you can reframe failure as highly purposeful and necessary. Also, the perfect outcome, eternal life and being more like God, is also being accomplished by God himself, not by you or me. Paul said that he worked harder than any apostle, Yet it was not him working, but the grace of God working through him. That's in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. And in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9, the Bible reminds us that this grace, 
which is a living and breathing thing unfolding in our lives, is a gift from God so that nobody can boast in their own efforts. Just like how Mr. Miyagi famously taught the Karate Kid his Kung Fu lessons through cleaning exercises, so too does God use everything we do to teach us, to instruct us, and to conform us to his perfect character, even though we may feel stuck, slow, unproductive, a failure, incompetent, or as a nobody. Even before I fully trusted my life in Jesus' hands, I look back and see how, somehow, all of the things I was doing and chasing were perfect training for what I'm doing now. It's truly incredible how God has used it all for the good, but this is the peace that comes from knowing God is in control, and it is the peace that surpasses all understanding. Perfectionism is something we all will struggle with, but perfectionism is not the enemy. God made you a certain way just like he made me a certain way and everybody else a certain way. Perfectionism is important because it teaches you to desire excellence, to be detail-oriented, to strive for the best, and to give it your all. These are all very good and noble things, but as usual, the enemy will use the good that God has created against you because he hates you. Because the devil is a master of using duality to deceive, he will use your perfectionism either to discourage you or to destroy you. Either you will get trapped in procrastination and sadness and defeat, because you never start anything out of fear of failing, or you will get burned out physically, emotionally, and spiritually, chasing and chasing things that are fundamentally out of your control. In both of these cases, what is missing is a trusting relationship with God, exercised daily through prayer, reflection, and gratitude. Through regular prayer and meditation on the truth of the gospel, that God is doing the work in our lives, we return back to peace and back to acceptance and by regularly practicing reflection and gratitude for all of the things that God has already done in our lives, we are able to see rightly because there is loads of evidence if we simply take a look. The devil's job is to make you forget this evidence so that you despair and you turn to the world instead of the Savior. But that is why the gospel is so powerful in its simple and timeless message. In the end, we must remember that this life is not about perfection, but rather about discovering the one who is perfect. We will have all of eternity to be more and more like God, to discover endless amounts of joy and beauty that he has planned to share with those who love and trust in him. What an amazing thought, and what a healing salve it is to the wounds of our perfectionism in this modern day and age. When we align with the truth, it does indeed set us free, just as Christ promised. So, trust in the Lord and all will be well. This is the message of the gospel, and it is the only true solution to the world's problems, perfectionism included. But, as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9.